0: Welcome to the Your Favourite Teacher podcast. Today we're going to be looking at William Shakespeare's Macbeth with Miss Shaw. For additional support materials visit yourfavoriteteacher.com. Over the course of the next few lessons we'll be examining the ideas and methods behind Shakespeare's tragedy Macbeth. Today I will be giving you a brief plot summary and in introducing you to some of the context behind the play. The play opens with three witches who are waiting for Macbeth before we meet King Duncan, who is told about how brave Macbeth has been in the battle against Norway. The witches meet Macbeth and Banquo making their way home, prophesying that Macbeth will be promoted to Thane of Cawdor and then crowned king. Banquo is told he won't become king, but his son will. Macbeth writes a letter to Lady Macbeth, who starts to plot to herself, asking the spirits to help her. She tells Macbeth her plans and they decide to kill Duncan, who is staying at the castle that night. Macbeth gets second thoughts, but Lady Macbeth manipulates him into agreeing again. At the start of Act 2, before killing the king, Macbeth begins to hallucinate, seeing a dagger in front of him. He ignores this and kills the king anyway, returning with the bloody daggers meant for the guards. This angers Lady Macbeth, who takes the daggers back to the chamber and smears the drugged guards with the blood. The castle wakes, realising that Duncan has been murdered. His sons, Malcolm and Donald Bain, fear for their lives and flee to Ireland and England. Act 3 opens with Banquo very suspicious of Macbeth, who is holding a banquet to celebrate his coronation. Macbeth worries about Banquo's suspicions and hires two murderers who track Banquo whilst he's out riding with his son Fleance. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth discuss their troubles, with Macbeth urging Lady Macbeth to stay as innocent as possible. He won't tell her the next part of his plan. Meanwhile, the murderers find Banquo and kill him, but his son Fleance escapes. Back at the feast, Macbeth greets his guests but soon thinks he can see the ghost of Banquo sitting in his seat. His disturbed reaction worries the guests and Lady Macbeth, who asks them to leave. At the beginning of Act 4, Macbeth revisits the witches for more information. They give him three prophecies. To beware of Macduff, no one born of a woman can harm him and he is safe until the woods move towards the castle. Macbeth thinks these are unlikely to come true, so thinks himself invincible. To be sure, he sends murderers to Macduff's castle in Fife, who murder his entire family. When Macduff finds out, he rounds up the British army to seek revenge. Act 5 opens with Lady Macbeth sleepwalking and hallucinating, clearly disturbed by the killing of Duncan. Macbeth hears of an army approaching, but believes he has nothing to fear. The Doctor tells him of Lady Macbeth's condition, so Macbeth asks him to cure her. Macduff and the British army conceal themselves from view using branches from the woods which then start to move towards the castle. Macbeth finds out that Lady Macbeth is dead, then gets scared as he hears that the second prophecy from the witches has come true. There is a final battle with Macduff who reveals he is born by C-section before Macbeth is beheaded and Malcolm is crowned the rightful king. In the exam you will be marked on the contextual links, so here are five things you need to know about the play. King James was the king in Scotland at the time Macbeth was written. So whenever you talk about effect, be sure to mention the Jacobean audience. King James was scared of witches, thinking that they raised a storm to try and shipwreck him between England and Scotland. Anyone caught doing witchcraft or talking to the spirits was sentenced to death. The role of the man was to be brave and strong. In Jacobean times, the more violent you were in battle, the more you were praised. Now it makes sense why Macbeth was so violent at the start of the play. The role of the woman was to serve their husband. They were to be obedient, passive and do everything they could to please their husband. They weren't allowed to talk back or do anything considered a man's job. King James is said to have a relative called Banquo, but the real Banquo wasn't as nice as Shakespeare's version, presumably so he could keep in the king's good books. In Act 1, Scene 2, Macbeth is hailed a great thane and worthy gentleman by King Duncan after he hears of how brave Macbeth, for well he deserves that name, unseamed an enemy soldier from the knave to the chaps and fixed his head upon the army's battlements. Here, Shakespeare portrays him as strong, violent and brave, embodying the spirit of a typical Jacobean man. During King James's reign, soldiers who were fierce and brave in battle were usually promoted, so it's no surprise that King Duncan wants to crown him Thane of Cawdor when he learns how Macbeth fought in battle although the fact that he beheaded an enemy soldier does foreshadow his own beheading at the end of the play. This boldness is carried into scene 3 when he meets the witches, taking on a demanding tone, speak if you can, what are you? He's using imperatives to emphasise his status, commanding the witches to stay and tell him more once the first prophecies have been made. It's important to note that although Lady Macbeth takes charge in planning the murder of the king, Macbeth clearly thinks about it in Act 1, Scene 4, when he learns that Malcolm is next in line for the throne. In an aside, he states, that is a step on which I must fall down or else overleap, for in my way it lies, talking about Malcolm being next in line for the throne before stating he wishes to hide his black and deep desires from others. We can assume that he is referring to the desire to become king, with black connoting death probably the death of Duncan. Macbeth reappears at the end of 15 after sending word to his wife about the witch's prophecies. When told about Lady Macbeth's plan to murder Duncan whilst he stays in their castle, Macbeth still holds some power when responding with, we will speak further. A short phrase to emphasise that he doesn't want to talk anymore, to which Lady Macbeth obeys. Macbeth continues his commanding tone in seven, telling Lady Macbeth, we shall proceed no further in this business. Here is where Macbeth's character begins to change. Once authoritative and bold, he quickly allows Lady Macbeth to take control, which can be seen in the structure of this scene. He has less lines than his wife, something that would have been odd to a Jacobean audience, seeing as women were supposed to be submissive. By Act 2, Scene 2, Macbeth's portrayal has really changed as he starts to hallucinate in his soliloquy. Is this a dagger which I see before me? Here, the audience questions Macbeth's mental state where he was once happy to kill and gain power, now he is hesitant. After all, killing whilst in battle was applauded, but killing a king was to commit regicide, an act punishable by death. Macbeth's power continues to dwindle for the rest of Act II, when he refuses to go back to the chamber to plant the bloody daggers on the guards. I'll go no more. Although an imperative statement, Macbeth continues to subvert the typical Jacobean man, instead leaving his wife to do his dirty work for him. It seems Macbeth starts to regain control at the start of Act 3 when Banquo begins to get suspicious. However, instead of committing the murder himself like previous acts, Macbeth now hires some murderers to do his dirty work for him. It makes sense. He is the king now, but could it be that he can't face killing his best friend? Look at how he reacted after killing Duncan. Using some of Lady Macbeth's manipulative skills, he convinces the murderers by saying, both of you know Banquo is your enemy, but is Banquo their enemy or Macbeth's? Later in 3.2, Macbeth says to Lady Macbeth, We have scorched the snake, not killed it, alluding to the fact that they might have killed Duncan, but they're still not safe. Macbeth is referencing that there are other people who are still a threat to them, which need to be dealt with. Macbeth does deal with it, or rather gets the murderers to do it for him, and Banquo is killed with his son still alive and able to take the throne. What Macbeth doesn't anticipate is Banquo's ghost appearing at his coronation banquet. Don't shake thy gory locks at me. This exclamation from Macbeth further emphasises his loss of strength and bravery from the start of the play. As this is the middle of the play, Banquo's death almost acts as a turning point for Macbeth. He's already committed regicide and now he's had his best friend killed. Who else will he have killed to keep his secret safe? Well, this question is answered at the start of Act 4, when Macbeth returns to the witches to find out more about his fate. He seems to have gotten over his mental breakdown over Banquo's ghost and is now back to being strong and brave as he makes his demands. However you come to know it, answer me. Again, Macbeth is being forceful with his tone and doesn't care about the consequences. The second set of prophecies do nothing but boost his ego and we see Macbeth become arrogant as he thinks he's invincible. He's told to beware Macduff, but once he realises no one born of a woman shall harm him, he questions the witches. Then live Macduff what need I fear of thee? He also knows that the woods can't physically move towards the castle. At this point, we could say that Macbeth is blinded by his ambition and thinks only of keeping hold of the throne. In fact, rather than taking the witches seriously, he sends a warning to Macduff and has his family killed. Not the way I would have done it, but Macbeth has become an obsessed tyrant rather than the brave and worthy Macbeth we saw at the start of the play. Fast forward to Act 5 and Macbeth still believes he is invincible, even while stood in front of Macduff, who he is told to beware. I bear a charmed life, which must not yield to one of woman born. Macbeth's tone is almost mocking at this point, which is emphasised on charmed. However, Macduff soon puts a stop to his arrogance by declaring from his mother's womb he was untimely ripped. Macbeth's bravado quickly disappears as he relents with, I'll not fight with thee shortly before Macduff kills and beheads him, much like we saw Macbeth do at the beginning of the play. So, that's Macbeth in a nutshell. To recap, we saw him start off the play with a lot of power, presented as brave and noble. He then transitions with Lady Macbeth, becoming weaker. At this point, the audience would be unsure as to whether he will actually go through with killing Duncan. However, he does, and at this point he begins to obsess over retaining his crown, obsessing over his lack of an heir and Banquo's prediction, therefore killing his best friend to eliminate the threat and keeping the power. His hallucinations of Banquo's ghost show him losing control before going back to the witches who give him a false sense of security by talking in riddles. This newfound, charmed life sees him killed by Macduff at the end of the play, therefore losing all of his power. Visit YourFavouriteTeacher.com for videos, worksheets and everything you need to exceed in your studies. Thanks for listening!